Hey there, everybody. This is the MPC Graveyard. I am the MPC, and we are going back to the graveyard with some of the hardest to kill horror villains. Now, not every antagonist is born an unstoppable killing machine that can shake off bullets with the blink of an eye. Some of them have to get creative with how they can survive, sometimes evolving to the point where we have to take a step back and be impressed by them as they're about to slit our throat. So yeah, this may be a one-time thing, or I may have another show where I touch on more monsters on the subject. We'll find out together, listener. So today we will be spotlighting characters from The Ring, Alien, World War Z, It Follows, and The Thing. If you don't like them, that's fine. That's why I'm telling you now. Some spoilers for each film slash franchise to follow. Let's get to it. First off, we have Samara slash Sadako from Ring slash Ringu franchise. I'm going to be sticking to calling them by their English counterparts just to make my life a little easier. So Hercules lives in a VHS tape. Yeah, we live in an age where people can't use a rotary phone. Give me a minute. Before the internet 4K high resolution age, everything was done on these plastic rectangles for decades. And that is what made the ring so scary. Once you watch the tape, you get a, co a phone call saying that you will die in seven days. Seven days to live unless you break the cycle. Since it's hard to really kill a ghost, you have to go with the alternative to survive. Usually after watching the video, the scumbag who showed it to you tells you the secret to staying alive. Make a copy, show it to someone else, and move on. It works like a virus, multiplying itself to infect as many people as possible. If one person survives, then there are two copies of the curse floating around. Literally any unmarked tape at a garage sale or shoved in the back of a closet could start the entire process over again. And who hasn't watched a random tape out of curiosity? Yes, I'm old. <laughs> there are only two ways to really stop the curse. The first is to make sure that you have the last working copy of the video, and then just let yourself die. Not likely because of how many copies could be out there and the whole basic survival instinct thing. The second way is to just let technology evolve. Yep, once VHS has become obsolete, the problem should have just resolved itself. Unfortunately, humans will be humans. And Rings showed us that some vintage dipshit will upload it to the internet because they're a dipshit. Which would make Samara all but unstoppable. Next up we have the Xenomorph from the Alien series. The creature comes from an egg laid by a queen. Its second form is a creature that emerges from the egg once it senses a life form nearby. Called a facehugger. Guess what it does? A fake Yeah. God, this is going to be a day. The facehugger is like a cross between an octopus and a spider, with a long, powerful tail. It attaches itself to the face of the host, firmly grasping itself around their head while wrapping its tail firmly around the host's neck. The tricky part of a facehugger is that their blood is made out of an extremely acidic liquid. Any attempt to surgically remove it from the host will result in a serious injury or death both to the host and to the person attempting to remove it. 
Its bony appendage's grip is strong, but even if you pry them apart, the tail will suffocate the host when attempting to remove it completely. The facehugger naturally dies after depositing the chestburster's embryo into the host's mouth and down their throat. These are all very obvious names, but it's the 70s, and this film was a masterpiece to get over it. The chestburster naturally comes from the host's DNA, adjusting its basic form to survive better for whatever the plant's environment may be. Once it has finished forming, the chestbuster will, you guessed it, burst forth from the host's chest, killing them and escaping to a safe place in the resulting confusion. It will remain isolated while it quickly matures into a fully formed xenomorph. The creature is roughly two to three times the size of the original host, with claws on the ends of its hands and feet, making it able to maneuver walls and even cling to ceilings with ease. Extremely fast and strong, it will usually strike down its prey using its two sets of powerful jaws, while holding them in its firm grip. The third and fourth forms of the creature keeps the same acidic blood as its second form, making close combat fairly impossible, as any wound would result in a backsplash that would melt anything in its path. That's even if someone could successfully get past the dense skin without being taken out by its jaws, claws, or whip-like tail. Not to mention the superior intelligence that they all naturally seem to possess. They are almost literally what would happen if a velociraptor evolved as a superior race of a planet. All these factors make fighting a fully formed xenomorph next to impossible. The best way to handle a creature, one may ask? See a bunch of eggs in a desolate world? Stay away from them. The world is probably barren for a reason. But if your curiosity gets the better of you and you end up approaching a nest, the only way to survive is to destroy the entire area as soon as the eggs begin to open at your approach. If confined to their eggs, the facehugger's blood will have less of a chance to spray on you from their destruction. Now, if a member of your crew does become victim to one of the facehuggers, leave them. Don't try and save them. Don't break quarantine protocol by taking them back on the ship. Just ditch them and fly away from that rock as fast as you fucking can. Now, if you've ignored all the advice thus far, you're pretty much fucked. The chestbuster is as fast as a mouse, and its small size makes it hard to pin down. The only way to really stop a fully grown xenomorph is to somehow blow it up from a distance or shooting it out into the vacuum of space. Either way, this apex predator is one that is incredibly difficult to put down from its conception to its final form and should be avoided at all costs. So who wants a public service announcement about the dangers of sex? Well, too bad. We're going to talk about it flow. Yeah. We're going to talk about having a drink of soda. Ah. Today's show has been brought to you by soda. It's a good intermission when you're slowly starting to uh, babble and lose your train of thought. Soda. Anyway, we're going to talk about It Follows. Known as the entity by the internet, we have a walking STD. Yes. For those of you living under a rock... We have the biggest threat to the hanky-panky since Captain Chastity himself, Jason Voorhees. 
So the entity is passed on whenever one copulates with someone else. It follows you around at a brisk pace, never stopping, always moving forward through anything blocking its path to get to you. Its motivation is to kill its victims by uh, what appeared to be grinding them to death? Symbolism. I'm not really sure. The entity can take the form of any human it wishes. Friend, stranger, creepy old person, whatever it feels the need to become in order to get close to you. Seemingly invulnerable to physical damage, it requires neither food nor sleep. It just constantly traveling from one victim to the next, pausing only when they're caught up with them. Even worse, the entity is completely invisible to everyone else. God, would that be terrible? Making a scene in a public place only to be arrested and lost the ability to run away from it? What's truly terrifying about the entity is that it won't just kill the last person and be done. No. It will go back down the chain, killing anyone who had previously stopped. So for the rest of their lives, each person who was involved has to watch their back, constantly worrying if the person walking in their general direction is the entity coming back for them. And that's the bitch of it all. Usually in a horror scenario like this, someone will pass on a curse, the victim will be pissed, but there's not much they can do. Survival instinct won over person A, but at the same time, they can't be a complete asshole to person B because their life is also in their hands. Which makes the exchange pretty fair in that regard. I mean, they're still an ass for forcing this life-changing evil on someone else, but that other person could literally set that evil back on them whenever they felt like it. So, how to try and beat the entity? The best strategy I can think of? Don't have sex. But let's be real, that's probably not an option for a lot of the population. I was actually never bothered when people made jokes about virgins in my youth. I always countered that it was an increased chance of surviving a horror movie, and that usually shut them up pretty quickly. Anyway, second best option is to constantly be on the run, moving as far as you could for as long as you could. I think someone actually calculated the entity's walking speed once. If you know that number, you can figure out how long you can stay in one place before going to another country, for example. But that's expensive. And depending on how tall the entity's form is, your calculations might be off because of its stride. The scumbag approach is to sleep with a different stranger every day until the entire population is wiped out or you die. Actually, thinking back to my earlier nightmare about police confinement, being arrested is a legit option as long as you're put in solitary confinement. The entity is strong enough to break wood, but it's unconfirmed on whether or not it can break through solid steel. Hell, if it can lure it into a strong enough cage and run in a circle around it, it may be entirely possible to slam the door shut and have a friend weld it that way. Still, there would always be that constant nagging in the back of your head if it managed to escape while you're standing in a large crowd. Okay, time for zombies from World War Z. I'm going to take a quick moment for a zombie tangent. My first and favorite incarnation of the zombie lore came from the Romero films. Back then, a zombie was a corpse that came back to life 
and follow the brain's most primal instinct. Eat. They only attacked humans, but a living person only became infected if they were scratched or bitten, but were still able to get away. By the time we reached the more modern film of World War Z, zombies had now become a walking plague. Their primary directive was to infect as many people as possible to wipe out the human race. It's very similar, since being exposed to blood, a bite, so on and so forth will have the same effect. But in World War Z, it takes all of like 12 seconds to turn, as opposed to the hours it would take in the Romero universe. But anyway, in terms of being a survival mechanism, the virus from World War Z acts as a much deadlier threat. In both the book and the film, no one can really say what on the laundry list of inhuman acts caused the virus to first break out and spread. The zombies are basically walking corpses who are hardwired to bite any living human they can find in order to keep the disease going. And these little fuckers run, often chasing down their prey with inhuman speed. It's actually pretty terrifying to see a mob of them rushing at you. They are so desperate to find an uninfected human that they will run headfirst into a wall, climbing over each other like a group of ants to eventually scale over anything blocking their path. Since they're dead, they feel no pain. Have to regard for keeping their individual bodies alive for so long as the group moves forward. They feel no pain and they have no regard for keeping their individual bodies alive so long as the group moves forward. Shooting them doesn't really accomplish much, unless you can destroy the brain. One group of survivors even encouraged their members to shoot for the knees if you aren't a good shot. Because at least that will slow them down for the sharpshooters. They do seem to conserve energy though. When no one is around, they go into sort of a resting mode where they just walk around listlessly without any real purpose. The kicker is their one real weakness. Death. Yep. Like cells that don't try to infect other infected cells, the zombie will completely avoid anyone who is terminally ill. Naturally, the scientists of the movie create a type of curable virus that allows soldiers to finally start fighting back with very little resistance from the rotting meat bags. But yeah, I'm assuming that prolonged exposure would kill them before they had a chance to finish off all the zombie hordes. And without patient zero, the whole process could start off again at the blink of an eye. Speaking of disease metaphors, we're going to have another short break to talk about soda. Ah, soda. I haven't had soda in like two weeks, listeners. My wife and I are kind of getting on coffee for whatever reason. I don't know how it happened, but... That's the first drink of soda I've had in a while, and let me tell you, on a warmish day like this, having something cold go down your throat, wonderful. So, speaking of disease metaphors, our last creature of the day is the Thing from the Thing. So, the Thing is an alien who crash-landed into the Earth hundreds of thousands of years ago in the frozen tundra of the Antarctic. After being excavated and unfrozen, we find out that the Thing is nowhere near dead. This single alien is actually the most dangerous on our list today. Unlike the more metaphoric diseases of the others, 
its individual cells can assimilate and replace any living tissue they come into contact with. Each cell is part of a greater whole, able to remember every other creature it has assimilated and be aware of its own presence and other creatures. So, yeah, once it has infiltrated a snowbound group of humans, it can casually replace them with something as simple as a handshake. The thing first arrives in the form of a dog being chased down by a helicopter, which, you know, isn't suspicious at all. It ran up and started nuzzling the crew members as soon as they started fighting against the foreign helicopter crew. And dogs are naturally affectionate to humans. In fact, it's hard to stop a person from naturally just bending over and petting a service animal. So it's not far-fetched to see why the creature was able to infect the American camp so efficiently. It was only after being caged with the other dogs, who all sensed the anomaly in their presence, that the thing was forced to take on a grander form to force itself on the rest of the pack. And that's when the camp all realized that they were with a hostile presence, the likes of which they could barely comprehend. Each time the thing was forced to reveal itself, the men burned the twisted creature alive before burying the remains in the snow. The problem is that every piece of it is alive and aware. On each occasion, a small part of it cut loose in order to try and escape from them. Only one member of the crew realized the gravity of the situation. Early on in the film, he smashed the radio and went on a rampage to destroy the camp in order to trap them all there. And listener, that was the first time I actually witnessed a horror movie character putting the fate of the world above their own. Unfortunately, the rest of the crew didn't agree, stopping him before spending the rest of the film in a paranoid panic that the person sitting right next to them was pretty much plotting to eat them from the inside out. So how do we stop the thing? Well, if you haven't stopped it from being in a quarantine space, you've pretty much fucked the whole world. Burning every part of the alien will destroy the cells, but other elements such as cold only appear to put it in stasis. The golden rule in this situation is to allow no contact of any kind between anyone. Not even the same bathroom. Of course, near the end of the film, they attempt to use a blood test to find out who amongst them may be infected, but fail to use a different knife on each crew member. Really, the best solution to handle a creature like this is to burn down everyone and everything that the party has come into contact with. There isn't much of a win anywhere in this situation unless the creature was completely isolated from the beginning. But human curiosity and striving for fame by making a great discovery will always lead to poor decision making. So, in conclusion, the antagonists we have talked about today aren't as aesthetically pleasing as the slashers that I love so much, but are far deadlier in their own right. A flesh and blood superhuman is one thing, but a supernatural virus? Something that sometimes can't even be seen by the naked eye? That is no less horrifying. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Again, I may do another episode like this one. It certainly is an interesting subject. And the horror genre has no shortage of creative villainy. Creative villainy. The horror genre has no shortage of creative villainy. It's always when I... I don't know why I mess up like this, listener, but... 
first time I read through, I always feel like it's a textbook. And then once I try and do like an outtake like this, it's just works completely well. All right, I've screwed around enough. Thanks for listening. Be aware of your company. And welcome to the graveyard.